Welcome to the Be Transformed podcast, where we're having ongoing digital discipleship conversations about when and where the kingdom and the culture collide. The Anatomy of Change. I'm excited. We have Greg Quinlan and we have Monica, the moderator, Monica, the messenger. And so we're going to have a good time here. We have some people watching over us to make sure we're doing our job correctly. So we're the commission is here, <laughs> all four members. And so this is exciting. Um, we want to talk about the anatomy of change. And is change a science? Is it a discipline? Uh, what is it? My life has been radically transformed by the gospel. Monica's life has been radically transformed by the gospel. And you, Greg, your life has been radically transformed uh, by the gospel. And when when I really received the revelation of Jesus, he, he basically said to me, Adam, you really, really need me. And the fear of the Lord hit me. Poof. And I was like on the floor. And uh, it was just a real revelation of the fear of the Lord. Good point. Yeah. The fear of the Lord. Yeah. I don't hear that anymore. No, that's a problem. Just respect him. Yeah. Just respect him. Yeah. No, he's pretty fearful. If he, Yeah. You know, I mean, even Jesus said that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we pick and choose what we want to, you know, yeah. those inconvenient verses. Yes. Yeah. No, I was talking tonight. about this the other yeah. day. Like, Jesus said, be afraid of the one who can cast your soul into hell. Yeah. And so now people are, don't even want to, people are, people who are professing Christians, pastors of large churches are talking about like there's no hell. Uh, a guy just died, Carlton Pearson. He was a big proponent of a pusher of universalism. And it's just a false doctrine and it leads people astray and it's very, very Everyone's destructive. Going to heaven. You know, and it's just not real. It's yeah. not it's not accurate. It's not it's not biblical. If everyone's going to heaven, then why is there hell? Yeah. And why did Jesus come? Yeah, and why did Jesus come? <laughs> yeah, and what's yeah, the yeah, of the it's cross? just it's just not it's not healthy. So anyway, yeah. so preachers are going to preach, but um, so when you when you received the, just the revelation of God in, in in Jesus, what started to happen on the inside of you, where you did you intuitively know you needed to change? Like what what was going on in the inside of you? At the beginning, because of, you used to be a homosexual, right? Right, and God and ra- loved it and loved it. Thought I did. Well, I loved the sex. And it was glamorous, and it was fun, and it was the disco days, and oh, it was all this, and everything was into fashion. You know, my initials are GQ, so you know it all about the fashion. <laughs> um, and and but but at the, but that is shallow, and it's empty, and I was left shallow and empty, wanting more and never finding it, wanting a relationship but nothing lasted because it was always based on sex. It was to, to be blunt, it's based on. The, the next orgasm, and you wanted to find well. This I I had this was fun for a while. This guy met my needs for a while, or thought he did, and then I'm going to look for the next one, and and that's kind of like what the the homosexual lifestyle is about. You see these committed people, but they're committed, but it's an open relationship. So it's sex for sex's sake. So why was I in this? I was so unhappy, so miserable, and then the monster that raised me, my father, was dying and i had to start dealing with that plus all the death around me i was miserable it's because again it's a shallow lifestyle okay so you felt from the brokenness of the lifestyle Mm -hmm. that you needed to change did you feel that like heavily 
Like, did you really feel like, man, something really has to change? Or, like, was, was it gradual? It was gradual. I was, first of all, pride was in the way. So God was knocking me down. I will tell you this. I was in the very act. Of, gain, I, of gayness? I, I was in the very act of sex with another man. Wow. And God told me, get out now or you'll never get out. Whoa. Whoa. Did I go? Did I leave right away? No. But let me tell you something. wasn't too much longer after that. Get out now or you'll never get out. Whoa. And it was like, how do I get out? That was the question I needed answered. Mm. How do I get yeah. out? Yeah. So I knew that it had to be with the Lord, but I didn't know that the Lord would take me back. And it was amazing, too, that in the lifestyle, the seed that was planted when I grew up, because I read the Bible when I was, when I was little. So I knew that and the Scripture would come at me. Mm -hmm. These men in the homosexual lifestyle would ask me questions, and I'd come back with Scripture that I didn't even know I knew. Did you have self-hatred? Sure. Why? Because I didn't think I was lovable. I hated who I was because I thought I was stuck as a gay man, uh, pretending to be happy at it, depending to be gay about it, but I wasn't happy at all. It was I was miserable. I hated where I was. Hmm. Hated it, but didn't know how to get out. Earlier, you mentioned, um, for context for people who are listening, you, you just preached at Rescue Church, yeah. and you spoke about how you were sexually abused. Do you think that that planted a seed of gayness in your life? Absolutely. Of homosexuality? Absolutely. And so then you did you begin to pursue that kind of like right after that? Yes. Okay. And so that's the, the, the pornography. What opened the door to that? Pornography. Pornography. Two things. There's, there are two things here. First of all, I had a horrible relationship with my father. My male figure was a monster. Not a loving father, but a monster. A monster. Yeah. He gave me one compliment my entire life. I was drawing a picture. He says, you're really good at that. But you, that's stupid. You can't make any money at it. Wow. That was the only compliment I ever got from that man. Wow. Never told me he loved me except the night before he died. Yeah. So, which was which was was great. That was a yeah. gift from God. Praise the Lord. Yep. And praise the Lord that you know at the on his deathbed he came to the Lord. That's amazing. Satan had him for 70, 70 and a half years in the last week lost him. And look at how good Jesus is. Amen. Like, the devil have you your whole life and Jesus is like, "All right, I'll take you." It's like, <laughs> nobody's like Jesus, you know. No. That's right. You know, That's it's right. like yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have done that for yeah, my yeah, father, yeah, yeah. but my Jesus did it. Look at Jesus. So, and, and in that too, you know, it, that helped bring some later helped bring healing yeah. because I had to let go of my judgment of my father. Because who am I to judge my father when when I when I too will be judged? Yeah. So, uh, what I um, let me ask you this, Monica. When you were coming out of the lifestyle, was there a sense of urgency with you? What what was was it quick? Was it slow? Was it what, how, how did that happen for you? I think it was relatively quick just because at that point, not only was I deep in that lifestyle of perversion, of promiscuity and homosexuality, I had also really gotten myself into a rut of witchcraft and I had sought that to find inner healing and, you know, was sold this sort of uh, new age lie of, you know, like manifestation and chakras and, you know, uh, finding healing on my own, you know, narcissistic self-centered terms um, and also fed into the lie of, um, 
you know, uh, just because I was so wrapped up in the far left movement and anti-racism, I was surrounded by a lot of uh, like Afro-descendant people, Latino people um, who uh, were brought up in this lie that witchcraft was like part of our culture yes. and that's what like our ancestors did, which is very true, um, yeah. but it's also wrapped up in a lie of Christianity being a white man's religion. So even though I grew which is up in the church- because the gospel went to Ethiopia before yep. Rome ever. Yeah. So that's just a lie. So it's just a lie. Yeah. Um, but even though I had been full of the Holy Spirit as a teenager and absolutely on fire for the Lord, there were so many things that I feel the church did not answer, that church that I did grow up in. And there was so much brokenness. I remember, you know, I'm I'm a millennial. I grew up seeing 9-11. I grew up seeing the Iraq war, the 2008 economic crisis. And I saw the church was not answering those things. Um, and that's why I left. <laughs> You know, so, you know, can I make just yeah. a short comment on the church? I love mm -hmm. the church. I've given my life to serve the church, but I understand what she's saying. Mm -hmm. And I think if I can categorize the early 2000s to the late and mid 2000s, the church became irrelevant, trying to become relevant. Mm. Yes. The church looked more like the world. Yeah. It became changing the world by mm -hmm. trying to become relevant. It became irrelevant. Mm. Yes. And, and that, that's, I think that people are starting to snap out of that. Mm. hopefully <laughs> yeah I mean I, I have hope but yeah I will say that um the way that the Lord encountered me was showing me that I was praying to demons and showing me the darkness that I had involved myself with and the fear of the Lord just smacked me across the face and I was like oh my god like what am i doing yeah. and then for jesus to encounter me in a way where it was like i was always here i was always real i was not just one of the gods you're praying to like i am god like that revelation really shook me to my core and did then, you feel like the fear of the lord on that yes and that's why um even though the first couple of months of getting this revelation it took time because i felt so the fear of man was very strong in me. I was like, how am I gonna change my whole life around when I had um, like just built my entire yep. life yep. around um, far left politics and yep. around you know being a feminist, yes. being pro LGBTQ. I was like, how can I just leave this? Like I was so yeah. scared and fearful of what was on the other side and I still had so many questions about the church, about who God is. Um, so it took me a couple of months, but I can tell you from when the Lord first revealed that that witchcraft was demonic and that he was the way, the truth, and the life to when I actually gave my life to him and started to pray and fast and really seek him for a way out. That was only maybe like two or three months. So it was a quick turnaround, but there was a time of intense warfare and struggle. And I'm glad I had my grandma praying for me. I'm glad I had my best friend who the Lord had pulled out of witchcraft and who made that change quicker than I did praying for me as well, because she prayed a very specific prayer one night and said, Lord, I want Monica to see the spiritual warfare that is happening for her soul right now. And I wake up in the middle of the night and see a vision of two, it looked like two people boxing. And I send her that text in the morning, like, yo, like I never really got dreams like that so I was like what is this and she was like hallelujah God answered my prayer because I wanted you to see yeah. that so it took a That's few an of old those school prayer yeah <laughs> one time I was with an old school Brazilian pastor in Carney and he's like oh God afflict my people and teach them to pray and I was like whoa and I'm like don't, don't include me in that prayer but he, he was like saying like it's sad 
But like sometimes if there's not a high level of pain, yeah. there's not a high level of prayer, mm-hmm. like there's not a seeking. And I that's, yeah. you know, that is- I had to get miserable. It, yeah. I had yeah. to be miserable. It doesn't exactly, have to stay yeah. like that, mm-hmm. but often it yeah. starts like that. Yeah. yeah. You know, when I came yeah. into the kingdom, I was totally desperate mm-hmm. to leave the world. I don't think I've ever had a gay thought in my life, um, just for clarity. But I, I just was like, I was desperate mm-hmm. to come into the kingdom and to not turn back. Because I, mm. I felt like if I would have turned back, I would have died. Like I would have been dead. Yep. And so there was this this level of desperation. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I bear witness to what Greg said, because I'll just, you know, for the sake of our, our studio audience here, I'm going to keep it, you know, parabolic. But I was doing something wicked one day, like really wicked. And the Lord is like, what you're doing is vile in my sight. Oh. Mm. And he said it to me while I was up to what I was up to. And I never did it again. Wow. And I and I realized that the fear of the Lord will get you, will set you free of anything, mm. and you will never leave something if you don't hate it. And so the fear of the Lord is also to hate evil, not to hate evil doers, but um, to hate evil. And mm. so you will never leave something you don't hate. Yeah. And so I I think that if if people still think that the world has something for them, then that's what they'll pursue. And so that's mm. I want to actually kind of roll into something because right now. Um, there is like this whole justice movement and part of it is good and part of it is miss miss um it's awry without without it being Christ centered. But within the church there's this movement of like, you know, uh, to expose human trafficking and I think that that's amazing. Yes. But I think that what many people don't realize is that when you participate mm. with pornography, you're actually participating with human trafficking. Absolutely. Is yeah. that accurate? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So now, when you look at the one in four people in our generation, millennials, I'm, I'm like the, the varsity of millennials, you know, but like one in four of us has an STD. So that's generationally. So that's, 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 that's the situation. And when you look at the divorce rate, the, how many people, even in church, are like addicted to porn. Yeah. That's, it's very alarming. Mm-hmm. Um, it has become normal for people who say they're Christians to live together, um, which that's not Christian. No. Um, that, you know, and so th- this is, there is, there is a clear epidemic of sexual immorality that has run rampant in the church. And we've seen it over the last 20 years. And it seems like it has intensified the yeah. amount of scandals that have come out. Um, and so from someone who comes from a life of perversion and someone who's been set free of that, how do you interpret that? That was a lot in that question right there. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like, how do you interpret all of the scandals and all of the brokenness in that data? Like, what does that say to you? Besides, we need Jesus. Like, obviously, I get that. But what, what is that? What are people searching for? They're searching for something to ease their pain. There's, I think, the issue we have, particularly in our generation. I'm a, I'm a baby boomer, uh, and 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 I don't know of anyone, any human being on this planet that hasn't been wounded. And of late, I meet people who have been so wounded. I thought I had some serious, serious stabs and jabs and cuts and amputations. 
But at the same, then I meet other people where it's worse, unbelievably worse. I thought my childhood was hell, and it felt like hell, so to me it was hell. But to them, when I hear their story, I'm like, oh my God, I, that was nothing. What I went through was nothing compared to what they're going through and the pain that they have to deal with. And the thing is, the memory of that never leaves. And the only salve, the only balm in Gilead is Jesus, and that's the truth. Yeah, true. But what we have to understand as the church is that, you know, we talk about broken people. When you're face-to-face -face with that broken person, and they're really telling you about their brokenness, and you're just listening to a story that, you know, God, is this, this is so fantastical, is it real? And then, you know, the Holy Spirit confirms to you, he's telling you the truth. She's telling you the truth, particularly among human trafficker, trafficked victims. You hear the things that they've gone through yeah. and, and how easy it is for them to be triggered. This is why I tell people, and pastors need to know this too, this, you know, say the prayer and you're done. You're cooked. It's fixed. You're done. It's all finished. You know, you're, you're, it's all over. No, yeah. it's not all over. Yeah. It's not all over. It only just began. Exactly. Yeah. Because when you're born again and blood washed, you aren't brainwashed. History's not erased. That pain is still, you met your Savior You've got the medicine. Here's the word of God. But now you, there has to be discipleship, and that's the failure of this church. Mm -hmm. The church of our day yeah. is utter and complete laziness when it comes to discipleship. Yeah. And it isn't just one class, one Sunday school class, or a series of classes. It has to be an ongoing teaching of yeah. the word, just the word. Yep. Not just all this topical preaching, but break it out line by line, precept upon precept, yep. and start teaching it. But we need to know too, as pastors, that you know, I I don't I do I use the word counseling at the same time. That's a really bad word. But what I need to do is spiritual guidance. Take the word of God and apply it to the pain. Yeah. Apply it to where you're feeling, what you're hurting, and then understand too. Jesus was there when that all went on, and now was it Jesus's fault? Because that's the other thing we all do. It was God's fault. God, why did God let this happen? Why did God allow that to happen to me? And we don't teach things like we ought to teach them. We don't teach that doctrine of, you know, man has free will. Yeah. Man, there is yeah. the doctrine of free will. And there are preachers out there preaching this. You know, we, you, know you talked yeah. about some of the, you know, the universalism nonsense. There's the nonsense of uh, the Moonies. That's a ridiculousness, you know. And it, again, it comes back to the way they preach it, and you listen to what they talk about with salvation. I'm like, then why the cross? Yeah, and also the idea, like people will say, God is in control, and it's like, no, God is sovereign, God is supreme, and God is in charge. But God is not the Almighty manipulator, and He is not micromanaging everyone's decisions. And he's bigger than your choice, and he's bigger than you, but he gave you a choice. Mm. And, should, and should he want to, to swallow you into a fish and spit you out to people who worship fish, <laughs> he could do that. But generally speaking, in general in general terms, he honors people's free choice. We have to understand his holiness, too. What does his holiness have to do with him allowing the sin to happen? Because he gave free will. He doesn't go back on his word. Yep. Holiness means integrity. Mm -hmm. He will be integral to his word. His word says, I gave you free choice. You have the right to accept or reject. You have the right to do this or not do this. You have a right to sin, but you'll pay the consequences yeah. of it. Yeah. And he, he will bring, because he's just, he will bring every act into account and he yeah. will mm -hmm. settle the scores, which is scary. Mm -hmm. And and one of the things that I love about just the mercy of God and the heart of God is that for us, it's very difficult to have a heart for the oppressor 
But God even has a heart for the oppressor because he knows what will happen to them if they don't repent. Mm-hmm. And that's what you see the heart of God and the mercy of God on Saul. Here you have the heart of God for the oppressor, not just the oppressed. Right. And that, that's, that's mature compassion. Mm-hmm. That's when, when compassion is grown up. Um, I'll add, and when you asked that question, Pastor, about um, what what is the root of the compromise and the perversion that we see in the church today, the first thing that came into my head was fatherlessness. That's something that I think ties, um, you know, it's something that uh, Greg and I have in common in terms of our testimony. Um, you know, uh, you know, Greg, you had an incredibly abusive, unloving father. For me, I just had a father that dipped, and you know, then I had a stepfather who stepped at the best that he could at 19 years old, but who himself had like an abusive father who stepped out and battled with addiction and he didn't know what he was doing so he did the best that he could but he couldn't give what he didn't have so that is a common thread that I see um, with so many people that I used to know in the LGBTQ and you know um, folks who were delivered out of that community is um, abusive fathers um, fathers uh, who abandoned them um, you know uh, uh, whether that was physically dipped or you know who emotionally abandoned them who didn't give them that love who didn't give them that affirmation and I think that we see a generation and I this is something that the Lord has shown me personally and that I've heard from so many people who are part of this discipleship process that I'm going through here at Rescue is we have a generation of orphans. And I know that was me. I found my identity in my sexuality. I found my identity in um, the politics and the political movement I identity was part politics, of. Yeah. yeah, like that was it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, I am a queer, bisexual, you know, Afro-Puerto Rican Marxist. That was my identity. That was my life. It was yeah, very loaded. It was yeah, very yeah, loaded. loaded like um, and you can pull Facebook statuses. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, I I, 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 I burned my old Instagram to the ground, but how many pictures I had up, which is that was who I was. And, you know, it took me a while to realize that in this inner healing process, the Lord took me on is that, and I'm really, you know, still in the thick of is I didn't have identity. And, and that's what I was searching for so deeply. And I didn't get that through the church because I didn't have a revelation of God as a father. I didn't really have a, a, a deep revelation of his love. I was encountered by the Holy Spirit spirit. I was encountered by Jesus. I felt his presence. You know, I'm on the altar crying, speaking in tongues every Friday night, leading Bible study, but I didn't have a true understanding of who I was. And I didn't have a true understanding either. There was like no talk of inner healing or any of that kind of stuff at my church. So I didn't even realize how broken I was. I was kind of like, okay, that was my life. My, my daddy was a drug dealer who beat my mom and this and that. And you know, now I'm raising this kind of like wonky situation. People stare at me all the time and ask if I'm adopted. Like that was my life growing up because <laughs> my stepdad is like a blue-eyed like you know italian irish guy and my mom is like super light-skinned so people are like how does that plus that equal that so that was like a big thing growing up and that in itself kind of furthered that that spirit of rejection orphan spirit that i had but i had no conception of that so it was so easy for me to get swept up into the world and into um, what the what the world was shouting my identity was, which was again similarly sim, uh, si- similarly to Greg's um, uh, story, was rooted in um, ab- abuse. Number one, then the pornography came in, and I was addicted to pornography for two decades. And um, and yeah, so I, I think that's just such an important thing that the church really needs to get right. And I do see the church, um, you know, getting 
starting to fix some of that. I see a lot of big leaders in, you know, the, the I don't know what you would call it, charismatic Pentecostals, yeah, supernatural yeah. Yeah, or whatever yeah. you'd call it, um, who are really starting to emphasize this because that's that's what people need and this generation is crying out for yeah. for a father. So let me ask you this question, both of you guys, this is an open question. Do you do you set, do you feel clearly that there is a connection to uh, let's say a broken family unit uh, unit to and broken sexuality? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I think that is so clear. When you when and and, and when Monica was talking about the um uh, uh the porn addiction um see it's just like heroin and you go back for that you go back for that high you go back yep. for that dopamine yeah. rush yeah 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 the serotonin rush yeah. the problem though with the porn addiction is that there's the oxytocin too the bonding issue so there there's the the absolute corruption that the porn addiction does to your mind and does to God's creative purpose. That's a whole nother story, a whole nother program. But if to break that down, just even scientifically, you there was an uh, Time magazine, 2016, April 11 edition. The magazine's prime, uh, uh, cover story was porn, mm. and it wasn't religious. It was talking about 30-something men that can't have a relationship with a woman unless they're watching the fantasy. On the TV or on 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 the uh, laptop. Yeah, that's terrible. That's but that's just it. Yeah. They can't bond. They can't they can't perform unless they're watching the fantasy. They can't have an intimate relationship with a human being that they're with. That's the point. Sex was created for marriage. Yeah. And this is where the church has failed. If I could go this, to, to this yeah, point, yeah, yeah. the church has failed in that that it 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 has not. We're so good at the don't. We're, we're not good at the do. We're not well. We're not, we don't explain the why behind the don't. Yeah. We don't give the instruction about why God said to wait. Mm -hmm. If you saw that, you see God's purpose in it, yeah. the majesty in it, the creativeness in it, the love that's in also it. Also supposed to be a blood covenant. That's another message. Well, and the, and the, but the, the thing too is that God did that so that you would bond with that person for life. For life. And mm. in that too, what do you do? Then you create other human beings. Mm. And in that creation too, then you're so folded and molded together, you raise these children that you created. It, the beauty in that is, is just incredible. But yeah. Satan knows that too. This is how he's corrupted it. And Satan takes everything God meant for good, such as sex, yep. and make it into poison. And that poison has now destroyed how many generations my generation your generation your generation all of yeah. you know and and so th there's this is such a loaded topic but if we go back to porn for a second generally speaking in 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 layman's terms when people do porn they masturbate yeah that's the idea right they have the orgasm yeah so i just want to you know yes be honest about that so here's here's the danger in that that will hurt your sexuality yes and your marriage mm -hmm. but it will hurt you psychologically yes here's why in the context of marriage when a man and a woman are having sex it's really about self-giving love not a dog humping another dog on the street right so it's not for you it's for them so so for, for example if if I come to my marriage for what I can take right 
it's not going to be a good marriage. It's not going to last. <laughs> and that's the same thing with sex. If, if in the context of marriage, a man and a woman, if they're in it for what they can take, not for what they can give, they're taking that brokenness and is getting manifested into their sexuality. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of Christians who do not have a vibrant sex life. There's a lot of Christians who there's, there's a high level of brokenness and dysfunction there. And it's in church. And, it, and people who don't think that it's in church are, are sadly mistaken. And I was talking to my wife about this the other day. But sex is not a reward in marriage. It's a responsibility in marriage. Mm. And so even the withholding of sex, that, that's a power thing. That's not, that's not. So there's so many things that come into play in a healthy marriage that if you don't deal with your brokenness in your own life then your brokenness will get will work its way into your sexuality like one of the things is like if you marry a normal woman you're not marrying a porn <laughs> you know uh, it, it, so so it's like there's so many things that are so destructive that porn does like and, and it fuels strip clubs and human trafficking it yeah. creates a pipeline of desire and funding mm -hmm. and so we have to really be cautious in terms of what we're going to participate with and so i just want to say to um people who are listening that there's there's hope in jesus and you know when when we were young i don't know what you guys did but we did e-pills and coke and k and we called them angel dust and we just got really high and uh and we didn't have uber we drove so it's like so we're just a different level of people in general i'm not saying that in a proud way i'm just saying this is that was reality and but what e ecstasy does is it eats through your brain mm -hmm. and uh, so here's what i'm saying when when paul says be transformed by the renewing of your mind what science has shown us is because of the neuroplasticity of the mind that that's actually possible. Yes. Amen. Yep. And so I want to say to you that if you have struggled with gay, if you have struggled with perversion, if you're a Christian living in a relationship where you're sexually active but you're not married, that, that that's sinful. It's fornication. Um, if you are uh, addicted to porn, I just want to say to you that there's hope. Yes. Um, you know, there's hope to get free. Yes. And if the fear of the Lord were to grip your heart, you would let go of what's really holding you back. Mm -hmm. And and what I find with it is it's counterfeit intimacy. Yep. It's counterfeit intimacy. It's not real. Mm -hmm. It's a perverse version of something that every human really desires, which is intimacy and transparency, which gives people a sense of security and significance. Mm -hmm. Amen. And, and I think that that's, that's something that needs to be understood. Mm -hmm. And I think that I honestly also think, too, that the whole sexuality thing, whether we're talking straight, gay, confused, I think that that really ties into mental health and mental, mental stuff. And it has roots in, in spiritual stuff. Yep. So that's the, the, the challenge of it. Is, and here's what Paul said. If you sleep with a prostitute, right, you are one spirit with her. Mm. 
So there are people sitting in church congregations that have souls, soul ties with dead people. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Soul ties with dead people. Mm-hmm. You, you, There's people that are sitting in church with unforgiveness towards someone who's dead. They have a soul tie with a dead person. Okay. So what happens is many times what you're dealing with is not simply a habit or a practice, but there is spiritual roots to it. And so if you, I think that with every situation, you have to diagnose what what are we dealing with. In other words, are you a guy who's dealing with, well, you're putting yourself in a frying pan and you're going to get burned? Or are you dealing with, no, there's real demonic roots to mm-hmm. this because you were abused. And then that seed of, see, this is what people don't understand. When, when someone is molested, the enemy's intention is not the molestation but the seed that it plants in that person yep. because that perpetuates that situation on other people. Mm-hmm. So th- that that is the thing that we as fathers, we have to be very cautious. And even if you're an adult and you're not a father, like we have to really be vigilant in this season in time as it relates to church and who we leave our kids with. Like this is really, really a situation that we have to be super vigilant and super alert and responsible to say God has entrusted us with little lives. Um, and, and, I, and I think that what we're talking about is such a broad issue because when you talk about sexuality, you know, it goes into marriage. When you talk about sexuality, it goes into parenting. When you talk about sexuality, it goes into singleness. So, so no matter what season of your life, this this thing touches all of that, and I think that it's something that even if you look at the New Testament church, it was highly broken. Like in in the book of Revelation, I think three or four of the churches, he's addressing sexual morality. Mm. Two of the churches, he he addresses the doctrine of the Nicolaitans and the deed of the Nicolaitans, were basically capitulating to culture to avoid conflict, embracing compromise which really was embracing food sacrifice to idols and sexual morality because they were happening in the same context. Mm -hmm. And then you have the defiled garments. And then in Corinthians, you have the dude that's sleeping with his his father's stepwife, which is like Jerry Springer. So so it's like, and now you take all of that and you put one of these phones. Uh Mm-hmm. In someone's pocket yeah mm-hmm. and the, so the level of access and opportunity is through the roof yeah. yep. kids having phones it's yes. like you don't have a job you probably don't need a phone <laughs> right this is true i mean that you know so, so the, the the level of i'm very very concerned with that mm-hmm. that's that's deeply concerning to me mm-hmm. um well i'll add quickly um, I think next week or the week after is coming up is my two year anniversary of not watching porn. And this was a 20 year addiction. Like this was a stronghold of all strongholds. So I share that to say that there's hope that I couldn't have ever gotten to this point without the power of the Holy Spirit because I was a slave to this for so many years. And um, the Lord has set me free and trust me, the enemy has tried to tempt me and trick me and do everything he could to get me to fall back into that. And I think how hard the enemy has gone to do that has revealed to me like how 
how demonic and how, how demonic powerful and sick it is. Yeah. It is, yeah. Yeah, and just just thank you for sharing that and congratulations on that. That's great. You'll do it your whole life. Yes. But when you really think about it, see, th- what happens is when you're when you're in sin, you you lose your your logic. Yeah. Yes. You're all feelings and you lose your logic and you don't have the ability to stop. Imagine if you're really fat, like 500 pounds. The whale. You know, and you just go to McDonald's and you just sit there and just watch people eat. You're like, like you just sit in there watching people eat. Like you're a freak, bro. You know, like that's weird. And that's what porn is. Like you're watching a dude bang a chick. And you're seeing his Johnson. I mean, I'm sorry to say it this way, and it's gay, bro. You're it's it's nasty. You're, thank it's you. It's gay, bro. It's, it's gay, bro. It is it's gay, bro. It is sodomy. It's gay. Honestly, I'm sorry. Like I know that sounds messed up, but I'm like, so, no, one day no, no, no. You're me, right. Like, Yo, you're that's right. Gay. You're you're absolutely right. Here, what are you? What have you done? If you're watching, I just watch heterosexual point. Oh, really? Okay, that's that's fine. Um, by the way, I was only watch- looking at Playboys, but I wound up in homosexual sex. Mm. So just- perversion has no boundaries. Exactly. No, 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 That's no, another no, thing no, when yeah, you yeah. allow that seed but, in. But yep. people need to understand this: when you're watching, okay, you're a guy and you're watching a, a man and a woman have sex to get on on in a por- in pornography. What are you doing? You've just entered in with that man having sex. You're literally having sex with that man who's having sex spiritually, Be- spiritually. Physically, I mean, you may not be physically in the movie, but you are physic. But you're obviously participating it in it physically yourself, right? Like, because you're having sex with I yourself. I think it's gay. I'll be honest. I, I agree. It's it's sodomy. You are literally become it's sodomy, and that's what I I've told that to, to some straight guys too, and they they just about they you should so see angry. the look. No, it's not even anger. It's just I I can't I no yeah, I can't process yeah. this. I no, can't no no no, it's it's really wild. Yeah. I had a friend. He's dead. He was my best friend growing up. And as I started getting saved, like my, my mind started coming back. And no, seriously. And I was like, man, like, so there's an old school Jay-Z song where Jay-Z is like, sold out arena, all screaming my name, hola, jovito. You know that song? And so it's like, he, Never heard it. so I'm like, pop, I, my friends used to call me pops. And... And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, bro, like, do you hear this song? You have your hands up. And I asked my friend, I was like, yo, are you gay? And he's like, pops, bro, you know, I'm not gay. Like, and he was definitely not gay. Like he didn't have an ounce of gayness in him. And he was definitely like a ladies man, like for sure. Like these guys just account how many girls virginities they would take. Yeah. But I don't. I don't mean rape them. I mean yeah. these were these were sad. We were when we were young. We were savages, mm-hmm. you know. And so so anyway, he's like, you know, I'm not gay. And I said, well, you have your hands up, screaming the name of another man. That's gay to me. And he looked at me like, and he's the last person from gay. But my thing was to him mm-hmm. that God was. God was changing my heart and he was allowing me to see the spiritual reality behind what is there. And the guy was calling himself Jehovah, Jehovah. Mm -hmm. Oh. Yeah. So within, see, here's the thing. Within 
every industry, right? Mm -hmm. There's other industries that are very close together. They're like circles that touch, okay? So here's, here's, here's some of them. Fashion, music, the sex industry. So the level of perversion, they fuel each other. So you have music that shapes culture, you have clothing that appears in the music videos, but it's all promoting one thing, sexuality, mm -hmm. perversion, and greed. Yep. And what, 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 what perversion is to sexuality, greed is to money. Mm. So it's just a distorted view on something in its proper context that should be beautiful. Like dressing nice, that's beautiful. Like you should, like even Solomon's, even his servants, there was, there was a level of what they wore, yeah. of excellence. Oh, yeah. There was something that stuck out to, you know, to the Queen of Sheba. Even <clears throat> when the glorified Jesus is seen, he has a golden sash. So there's something to that. Oh, there's yes. something to presenting yourself well. There's something to that. You feel good, but there's something... It identifies you for who you yeah. are and your status yeah. too. Yeah, there's there's something to that, but I think that there's something that can be distorted in it. But then I also think there's something valid to it. So so it's like you have to really. It's a tricky line. It's very thin. But even in but the same in sexuality, like like you were saying earlier, in in marriage, it's beautiful. Um, is the same thing with with money. Like, do you have money or does money have you? So the enemy is always looking to distort something that's beautiful because people desire beauty so he'll he'll use the desire for something beautiful and manipulate it and distort it to destroy humans and then people let's say you get married and now you're you're no you're saved and you're married but yet you have a distorted view on sexuality mm -hmm. or you have a distorted view on money or you have a distorted view on relationships and if you don't get healed and if you don't renew your mind and if you don't get discipled, you won't be able to prove the will of God and discern it and participate with God's will. And so then you have a lot of Christians who are in church, but they're frustrated because they're non-participatory members in the will of God. And and they, they feel, they live with a sense of frustration and that it's not God's best for them. But it's like, if Jesus isn't first, you're not gonna receive God's best. Right, right. And so, I really appreciated what you sh what you shared even earlier about like there's no such thing as a gay Christian. No. Can you can you say that? Like, what does that mean to you? There, there's no a uh, gay Christian. Uh, no, no, it means that gay is your god. <laughs> That's what it means. You cannot be a gay Christian. Christ <laughs> is not under something else. Christ yes. is above you. You are His. You do not possess him. Mm -hmm. Do you understand that? There's a difference here to understanding what the infilling of Christ means. To be a Christian means that you follow him. You do not then, oh, I still want to keep this, though. Yeah. I want to keep this over here. I want to keep my gay identity. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. You kill that gay identity. You nail it to the cross because that's exactly where it belongs. And any other identity you've got other yeah. than your identity in Christ. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, and that goes for fornication, greed, yep. fear. Follow of it. all of it mm -hmm. if that's first then you're not it also <laughs> says too it screams pride no i'm keeping this mm. 
This is who I am. Oh, then you're not a Christian. You got Preston Sprinkle and a few other heretics out there preaching this garbage. Jacksonville Chapel all bringing Preston Sprinkle in. This is the heresy and the apostasy that's going on in the church right now. Hmm. What what doctrine are they pu- are they pushing? That uh, you can be a gay Christian. Yeah. Like you can identify just that way, or you can actively live that lifestyle. Well, they're saying, well, they're saying that you, you know, you can be a gay Christian as long as you don't act on it. Oh, boy. To be a gay Christian means you don't act on it. So then you're not dealing with your struggle. You're not yeah. dealing with your sin. You're not dealing with your identity. Your mm-hmm. identity is supposed to be in Christ. Yeah. What you're doing is you're feeding that identity. Exactly. You're allowing someone to keep it. Yeah. What's going to happen with that? Then everything, everybody's going to be gay in your church because mm-hmm. I can be a gay Christian. And then nobody has to know that, you know, I'm going to the bathhouses or, yeah. the, or the, yeah. the porn parties and all that other stuff yeah. that gays do. And it's a, we've traded, again, repentance for tolerance. We've mm-hmm. traded the fear of the Lord right. for the fear of man. And I, I, I love people, but I hate that because mm-hmm. Jesus doesn't deserve that. If you're a gay Christian, you have not repented. Mm-hmm. You have not repented. Let me ask you a question. Can people change? Yes. Are people born gay? No. Is there any scientific proof that people are born gay? The latest one is the Ghana study, but that's in my, my presentation of sex, science, and scripture. But let, let's go two things really quick. The, the Ghana study, while our, the producer is looking at the watch. Uh, the Ghana study was done in 2019, August of 2019. It had 477,000 human genomes. 477,000. That's 170,000 more than the population of the city of Newark, New Jersey's largest town. All right? Of those 477,000, they came from multiple continents. They, Australia, Europe, and the United States. MIT, Harvard, Queensland, Australia, and, and I think um, 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 uh, uh, Sanford had something to do with it too. Hundreds of researchers, many of them identified as LGBTQIA-XYZ++++. And at the end of the study, this was the famous words. I mean, the headlines were all over the world. L.A. Times, Washington Post, quote, there is no single gay gene, end quote. You know why there is no single gay gene? Because God never made anybody to be gay. That's the creative purpose right there. You are still XX or XY. When you are transsexual, what are you doing? You are abusing your body, but you do not change your genetics. Do you think it's an expression of self-hatred? Self-hatred has something to do with it, but this is not a single thing. It's just an expression of self-hatred. No, it, it is incredible pain, uh, loss of identity. I don't really know who I am. My mother hated me. My dad hated me. This one raped me. This one abused me. I must be a piece of meat. Mm. So self-hatred, self-loathing, I have no value and I'm trying to find value in something. Yes. So Satan will take that looking for value. He won't point you to the cross. He'll point you everywhere else where you sacrifice yourself on an altar of sin. Yeah. On an altar before Satan. Where you are literally crucifying yourself. Throwing yourself into the fire with Molech. No, this is the issue that's going on here. This is what Satan is doing. And this is what the church is allowing when they say you can be a gay Christian. Mm-hmm. It's a lie. What would you like to say to someone who let's say they were abused and they have self-hatred and they're doing self-destructive stuff, what, what would you say to them? I would say to that person, whoever you are, I've been there, I've done that. I understand your pain, I understand the wounds, and they still break my heart. I just want you to know that you can be free. Mm. 
there is a way out and that way is through jesus christ Mm. it sounds like a fairy tale it sounds like a religious fantasy i'm not talking religion here i'm talking a relationship with a god who made you Mm. who wants you to be free from the destruction that satan has put upon you and other people have imposed on your life you can be free cry out to him now you can be free excellent yeah we just want to say that there's freedom and there's hope in jesus and for more information on Greg, it's GardenStateFamilies.org. GardenStateFamilies.org. Thanks for listening. Adam Levecki here. On behalf of DK Kim and I, we want to thank you for listening to the Be Transformed podcast. If you have found this helpful, please subscribe, share, and review the podcast. Thanks again for listening to Be Transformed.